it's just really important to put aside time to just be friends because we obviously could talk about Fishwife until the cows came home, but then you like lose sight of the energy that you share as friends and like the energy that led to you starting a collaboration, starting a project together. Listening to Let It Out with me, Katie Delbout. This week, I speak with two guests, Becca Milstein and Caroline Goldfarb. After living with each other at the beginning of the pandemic, they were observing each other's eating habits, which you'll hear all about in this week's episode. And eventually, they got a business idea a tinned fish company called Fishwife, which I love. We bond over foods that we all love and enjoy, and we talk about the stigma associated with eating foods that people traditionally scoff at and hiding what we eat and hiding our tastes. And we have this really interesting conversation about taste and food and eating and, of course, the connection to body image and That was an interesting part of the conversation I wasn't expecting. And we also speak about working with close friends, starting a business, transitioning careers. Becca's background is in the music industry. And Caroline, you might know as the viral internet artist who goes by official Sean Penn on Instagram. If you're not already following official Sean Penn, you're living under a rock. But Caroline is hilarious. She's truly one of the most funny people I've ever encountered on the internet. She has a robust career as a comedy writer and a podcast host of many podcasts. And we cover writing and her processes with that, as well as juggling multiple projects and being, as she says, prone to collaborations. And Becca and Caroline give great advice on productivity and habits and routines and beauty products that help them. And it's a really fun conversation that I'm excited for you to hear. This week, I want to highlight an organization that we have highlighted before, but I believe in them and I want to support them. And you probably know already the Loveland Foundation. It's created by Rachel Cargill. The Loveland Therapy Fund provides financial assistance to Black women and girls seeking therapy. Everyone, and especially Black women and girls, deserves access to healing and mental health resources. The Loveland Foundation is doing such important and meaningful work, and I hope that you join me this week in supporting them. If you'd like to make a donation or if you are a Black woman or girl interested in applying for financial assistance, go to thelovelandfoundation.org. Thank you for being here. If you like this conversation, share it with a friend and check out Fishwife because I'm so happy this company exists. Caroline and Becca seem to be such genuine, kind people, and I'm so happy that they collaborated on this company. Thank you so much again, Becca and Caroline, for doing this. I am Fishwife's biggest fan, each of your biggest fans. You two are bringing attention to, as I've heard you say, the superfood that Tend Fish is, and you are giving it the attention it deserves. And I'm so excited to talk to you about all of it. 
I have to tell you this, this story. So my friend, Sasha, used to be a teacher and she has this saying with the kids that, you know, when they would scoff at her green smoothies, she would bring in jars or at each other snacks. She would always say, don't yuck my yum. And I feel like people have been yucking my yum with 10 fish for years until mm. you two came along and made it cool, made it a trendy, beautiful food group to bring to dinner parties. And I'm talking about it at the shop I work at. I'm talking about it with my neighbors. I'm eating it most nights for dinner. It's the best fast food. So I just want to start by thanking you. You are doing the Lord's work and I appreciate you. <laughs> Oh it my is our pleasure, truly our pleasure to do the Lord's tin fish related work. It's very exciting. So I'm from the Midwest and I didn't grow up eating tin fish aside from like tuna salad where you could barely taste the fish because it was so heavily saturated in mayonnaise. But I would love to start with each of you. Do you have a first memory of, of eating tin fish as as kids or... Did it come into the mix for you when you were older? What is each of your entry point with the food? Becca, do you want to go first? Yeah, I feel like I grew up... I'm a pretty classic story, which is good. I think Caroline, as as you'll learn, has a much more refined tin fish palate than I do. But I grew up sort of just eating delicious tuna fish sandwiches that my mom would make with tasty celery and just nice white bread. And loved it in that way. And then I did a little study abroad trip in in southern Spain in Granada, um, which is one of the only cities in Spain that still serves free tapas with every with every drink that you order. And that's what a where luxury. It, oh my god, it's amazing. I mean, it's and it's so crazy because you travel around even in Andalusia, and you know maybe you'll find a random bar where they do it for free. But Granada is the place where at least six years ago when I studied there. They stuck to it at every bar. It was a dream. But, you know, I came to experience Conservas over there, you know, served on a sort of like a tapas platter. And it honestly, at this, it didn't really resonate as the same food or the same even food group at the time. It didn't connect it with the, with the cans of Starkist that my mom used to serve me. So mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that's where I fell in love with, you know, what sort of the culture that came to inspire the company. But, those are sort of my two formative tinfish experiences. Mm. Yeah, what a memory. I love that. Caroline? I grew up with a Persian mom, which isn't really important to the story, but fish was such a key part of almost every meal we ate. I remember my mom would make a huge fish and she would serve it to me without silverware. And I would just pick through the fish body with my fingers and like pick the bones out of it. Like I, have this super, super deep connection with eating fish. It's like some of my earliest food memories and sardines were always present in the house. And I'm so passionate about sardines in particular, which isn't currently in our fishwife offering, but will be soon. But I just think the world of sardines and I think they get so shit on. And I think that people are giving them their due now, but I think that a lot of people have preconceived notions about the smell or taste of sardines. And I I grew up eating them. I grew up thinking of them as this like really affordable, really healthy food, a really great snack. But I learned the hard way that people don't feel the same. Not everyone feels the same way about sardines because my mom would send me to 
school with sardines and I would like hide them in my lunch. I wouldn't open them because I'd be embarrassed because I knew people would make fun of them. And I, I even like would bring, I, I'll bring sardines to lunch at work sometimes. Like people will make fun of me, but like, I have absolutely no shame. I think they're wonderful. And I, oh my God. I mean, anchovies were always in the house on my Jewish side. Like you don't have a pizza without anchovies. That's just a fact. And I like Becca went to Portugal and it was like this, it was like a come to Jesus moment because there are, like Becca said, tin fish is served at happy hours and served at restaurants and the tin fish culture there is so chic, so upscale. And I particularly remember going to stores in Portugal where all they sell is different varieties of tin fish, whether it's sardines, tuna, cod, like everything you can imagine with the most beautiful packaging you can imagine, rows and rows of colorful, whimsical packaging. And the flavors are so good. And the fish quality is so high. It's so different than going to the tin fish aisle at like your local Kroger or Ralph's. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is it. These are my people. Like they love sardines. I love sardines. Like the fish is so good. And that really like solidified my love affair. It was just kind of like off to the races from there. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's so much I want to unpack here because I feel as though I am meant to be your fangirl because I, I've had very similar experiences to both of you. Caroline, I know you're from LA. Becca, are you also from here? No, I'm from uh, New Hampshire, the seacoast of. Oh, okay. Wow. So you're at. Is, wait, what did you say? The seafood capital of the world? <laughs> or did I just hear what I wanted to hear? <laughs> yeah, I think you heard what you wanted to hear, but also true. We have amazing lobster rolls. Um, just 18. Uh, like New Hampshire has 18 miles of seacoast, which people don't know about. Wow. It does. And that's where I'm that. I've seacoast. never heard that phrase, seacoast. It's like used all the time in New Hampshire. And honestly, it was very confusing to me as a young child. I was like, what does it mean that I live on the seacoast? I thought I lived in New Hampshire and also New England. Yeah. It's very, very complicated to navigate. It's, be- it's a beautiful phrase. Well, I, I'm from the... The Midwest. And Where in the Midwest? I'm from Michigan. Oh, nice. Oh my God. If you could see video of me, I'm holding up my... Your hand. Have you spent much time there? I went to school in Chicago. Oh, yes. You know, I'm sure you know a lot of Michigan people. Oh my gosh, of course. But sorry to interrupt. No, no, I, I love it. Um, Well, it's just interesting because as I was listening to, to both of you explain your history with Tinfish... I thought about, you know, I, I also, Becca, like you, studied abroad in Spain. And that was really when I realized my my parents are divorced and I my taste, my palate, I guess, really took after my dad, who liked anchovies, who liked really salty, kind of, I guess, yum. weird, like, to you know, yucking a yum, right? Which is like, he- even hearing that story, Caroline, that, that you were saying of like, how you would, now you don't give a fuck and you bring the the sardines everywhere. And like, obviously you have a 10 fish company, but you know, just the fact that we judge our food choices with each other and that children do that. If it's not, you know, what is socially accepted, that that's just something we do as children. And and even as adults in, in some way, that's like a lingering part of its regional and part of its cultural and part of its, you know, I, I don't know where I'm like speaking out of turn, I'm sure in all of this and, and don't really like, know where to unpack this and some of it's silly but some of it does feel kind of heavy of like how silly that someone who really likes a food feels embarrassed because you know it's not 
peanut butter and jelly. And I, I definitely felt that way. Even like when my parents got divorced, saying that I liked food that my dad liked felt weird. And I felt like I should just like try to assimilate to the very Midwestern casseroles that were around me. Mm -hmm. And then when I went to Spain to study abroad, it was when I finally felt free ordering and exploring. And I, I spent a weekend in Lisbon and it happened to be the sardine festival. And I am so jealous. I've always wanted to go to the sardine festival in Lisbon. I am fuming with jealousy right now. Well, I think we should just go. I think it should be our first pre. I mean, we're already, our periods of, are already synced. I think we'll travel great together at this point. Let's just get it on the calendar because it oh, was 100%. It was such a delight. You would love it. Both of you would love it. It's such a magical place. And that's when I was just like, oh, I can eat whatever the fuck I want. And it, I can like make these weird combinations. And food is such a complex relationship for me because I've had been in and out of treatment. And especially around that time, it was really happening, but in and out of treatment for eating disorders. And it's like really informed my work. And if I don't know, the people who listen to the show have heard about it at length, but it's interesting how all of this interplays together of like, being cool, trying to fit in body image and the things we're eating. And anyway, I just love, I think maybe that's why I'm feeling so strongly a, or part of the reason why I'm feeling so strongly about this topic. And as I heard you, you all, you both describe it, it just feels even, I didn't mean to make that so heavy, but I think there is something, have you guys thought much about this from like a sociological I perspective? I think there's something very triumphant about tin fish because it's, and it's such a um, broad umbrella term. There's so many things that fall under tin fish, you know, like it, you have your tuna, you have your tin shellfish, you have sardines, like everyone has a different relationship to all of those things. But I think there's something very distinctly triumphant about having a love affair with tin fish and eating tin fish because it can be such a semi-divisive food. There's something that's so awesome about like loving something, regardless of what everyone else thinks, thinking it's the best thing ever, having it in your cabinet. Like there's almost nothing better than like enjoying and eating something like in the face of criticism or like naysaying. I think it makes it all the better. Mm -hmm. I also think it's just, it's really interesting because clearly like as different as you said, regionally or nationally, we construct these like attitudes towards certain foods. And we're just like, okay, you know, we grow up thinking that Brussels sprouts are gross because for some reason, like the writers on a bunch of cartoon shows, like decided to say that Brussels sprouts were gross. And like, I'm sure we all remember that just being a weird trope that was in like popular culture growing up. And then like you grow up and realize that Brussels sprouts are actually just incredible and just realize that like the, there are these weird artificially constructed perceptions of different foods that are just like because someone created them in popular culture and then attitude shifted that way and i think like tin fish is just totally one of these things that whether it's because of you know people's grandparents talking about them in relation to like like my grandparents were like jews in brooklyn that ate tin fish while they like got themselves through graduate school and that was like a story i grew up hearing about all the time and it's just funny, like these huge cultural perceptions are sort of solidified for no real reason. I would venture to guess that it's distinctly American to have like 
cultural negative perceptions of certain food groups. I shouldn't say that, but I think that something about that feels distinctly American to me. Like in a country where we do have, obviously there's a lot of uh, food insecurity, but we also like on the other hand, have a lot of food surplus Mm -hmm. and like have the freedom to like poo-poo certain kinds of food and like to yuck people's yums and like foods can become a joke or a punchline. Mm -hmm. It feels like, I can't say this for sure, but I feel like in most other cultures, like there isn't like food punchlines or foods that people like collectively laugh at. And like, that just kind of reminds me like what you said about, you know, being in and out of treatment and struggling with eating disorders. This is like not really neither here nor there, but it reminded me of the fact that like eating disorders are like a distinctly American disease. Like you don't see them in other countries and it is like tied into having enough food, like enables you to like develop like a negative relationship with food. Anyway, that's just an interesting. Yeah, no, this is fascinating. I I, I didn't know that the conversation would go here, but it, 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 there's something like you were saying, Caroline, about being so connected to to fish and seafood. And I, I, (laughs) I feel the same way of like, it's, it is really authentic to be like, this is something I'm into and I like, and I, the opposite of what we did as children, right? To fit in. And I think that's the best part of being 30 or in my thirties or getting to a point where I feel like, all right, well, I have spent my whole life blow drying my hair. However, if you dump a bucket of water on my head, everyone's going to know what I've been trying to hide. And there's something about just letting out what you like and who you are and leaning into that. That's so magnetic. And why, you know, I think that's the authentic piece that, you know, even with food, even with eating, even with things we like, we hide to, to fit in. And I was doing it this, this summer. I was living with these people I had like put on a pedestal and it was a whole thing. And I, I, I'm now thinking back to it and I was, I was hiding my tin fish. Like I didn't want to eat it around them. I didn't, I would, like I did, I just didn't want to hear it, you know? And mm-hmm. that's a sure sign of not feeling comfortable with someone. Right. Yeah. Mm. I hate to hear that. Right. Yeah, those are friends that can't accept in fish. Tough friends to have. I know. I know. And my, well, my close friends, the, another thing that this is what I was going to say when you were talking about your connection with fish, Caroline, I, and like notoriously a, a terrible cook, but like I can prepare things quite well. Like my friends love my kale salad. Like I'm good at massaging that sort of thing. And my, my closest friend here is a butcher and we were having shrimp one night and I, she complimented my shrimp deveining, like things like that. Mm. I'm very good <laughs> at There's so, so when you said that, I was like, I, I do that too. <laughs> wow. Okay. So where do we go from here? I would love to know from your interaction with, Tin fish and then starting a company. But I think I'd love to start with how did how did the two of you meet and come together? Mm, Becca, you take this. Um Caroline and I have known each other. I actually so I moved out to LA um after I graduated from college in 2016. And Caroline and I met, and honestly, I mean, I don't know if you know Katie, but Caroline is like she is this incredible, she's just like built this whole world around her. And so we met and became very, very close friends. We like, you know, went on amazing camping trips and hiking trips and like bonded over love of outdoors things. But it's funny because I also was obsessed. And Caroline, I don't even know if you know this, but I was so obsessed with your podcast. Um, this week had me like 
just remember like running around my neighborhood listening to it just like cracking up oh and my gosh just felt so lucky to have this person also as you know one of my best friends is just one of the funniest people that's so Probably sweet person i know um but yeah so we've been really close for like i don't know i guess like five years i love that homies. to put it bluntly we're freaking homies <laughs> <laughs> We're freaking homies. So where do you go from camping homies to tend fish business? Well, it's kind of like the situation that led to the tin. It's all like very symbiotic and like mystical. We were quarantining. We were quarantining for a portion of the pandemic together. The first portion, the March to July. Q1. Q1 pandemic, pandemic, exactly. <laughs> Q1 pandemic, we were quarantining together. And when you quarantine with someone, you really are watching them eat three meals a day. You're preparing yes. meals together. You're getting very uh, intimate, very mm-hmm. intimate insight into the way someone lives their life, especially like the foods they eat. Like I knew when Becca would have coffee, like what she liked for breakfast. Like you just get to know someone on such an intimate level. And, you know, one little eating habit that came out was, you know, we were buying tinned fish at the store. I was buying sardines. Becca was like, what are you doing? What are you eating? <laughs> and I was like, girl, sardines, let's get with it. And it's, be- it's like, it all, it all fits in so beautifully. Cause it's, you know, when you're working from home during a pandemic, which both Becca and I were, you sometimes only have like 30 minutes to make a lunch in between zoom meetings, yeah. which is exactly why tin fish is a staple in the pantry and has become a food that I and Becca and I think a lot of other people have started to rely on even more now than ever for so many reasons. One, it's like the quickest, healthiest lunch you can make. Pop open a thing of sardines, tuna, what have you, put on some crackers, plop it on a salad. Like the sky's the limit. It's quick. It's easy. Like you said, it's fast food. It's shelf stable. Like if you're going to the market once every two weeks, especially like we were earlier in early in the pandemic, you want to get shelf stable, ideally relatively affordable foods that you can rely on and keep in your pantry and pick out at a moment's notice. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like we were mutually appreciating tin fish as this like pandemic, perfect food, eating it, delighting in it, having it, you know, with our afternoon post-work wine, like you name it. And we were bouncing back and forth business ideas Look, we're entrepreneurial ladies, as friends do. Sometimes you just bounce back and forth business ideas. Wait, Caroline, can I interject a trout-related detail? Oh, please. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, this is like lesser part. But I feel like we kind of forgot about this part of the origin story, but I remembered it recently and was like, that was a, that was definitely part of it. We were buying this trout, this like rainbow trout that's just like full fish. We were buying it at Costco. and Hot tip. The trout at Costco is truly incredible. <laughs> Out of this world. And we were, we bought it and we were cooking it like, you know, the skin on and everything. We would just put a little lemon and salt, pepper and olive oil and, and like rosemary or whatever inside. Just and shoving it, herbs in that bitch's belly. And we just had this like huge amount of reverence for the fish. And we're just like so fascinated by it. Oh, um, we would I like talk to the fish. We would like <laughs> lovingly massage it with oil and just thank it for the bountiful nourishment it was providing. Just look in its eyes. I think at one point I was like so delusional and like gone mad with pandemic craziness that I was like kissing the fish on its little lips. We have, we have pictures of all of this, Katie. <laughs> Q1. I love it was a moment fish. in time. <laughs> it, it was, was a moment, moment. And I was, I was kissing dead fish. 
So anyway, we were eating this fish. We were like talking about it a lot. Like a lot of my friends were like, why are you always posting pictures of a trout? You're eating trout like four times a week. Damn straight. So anyway, Caroline, please. So bouncing back and forth business ideas and we're like, oh my gosh, tinned fish. Like, is there a brand that really embodies our, not only our like aesthetic sense and our like playful, whimsical attitude towards like what we want out of a brand, but also like speaks to what we want out of a seafood brand, transparency, sustainability, ethical sourcing, like all the things that we would want out of a tin fish brand. We're like, wait, I don't think that exists. And lo and behold, we're like, well, okay, this feels like a good idea. We bounced it off a couple people that were like big wigs in the food industry, like our friends and family that, you know, have more of a background in food than we do. They're like, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. We tested it. And by test, I mean, we went to the tin fish aisle of the grocery store and we're like, there's nothing here that calls out to us that represents what we want out of a brand that pops off the shelf, that embodies and evokes that European sexy chic attitude towards tin fish. Like all the things that we wanted weren't on the shelf. Until now. Until now. Becca, well, jump in. I feel like yeah. I've only really told half the story. Yeah, no, I think it's just, it's it's funny because it was just really like, it was one of those light bulb moment things where we were on this hike and came up with the idea. And then like the next day, that was on like, I think it was like April 28th or something. Hmm. And then we just, like, we knew that day we were going to do it. I mean, I remember I just had full full confidence that we were going to make it happen. And uh, then we just spent the next, you know, we quarantined together for, I think, yeah, like four more months. And we're both working full-time jobs and just busting it, trying to figure out how to start a fish company. <laughs> and it's just like such a testament to our optimism and in some ways naivete that we were like, we don't really have any experience in seafood. In fact, we have none. We don't have any experience in like food, CPG, or like direct-to-consumer food companies, but like we're going to do this and nothing's going to stop us. Like from day one, there was no other option than like making this happen and making our own dream tinned fish company, which is like looking back on it, fully insane. Hilarious. Wow. There's, this is so cool. It It's a full Q1 pandemic. This, this business was born out of the pandemic. It, it's so funny because that was such a wild time. What you described Caroline of like, seeing so intimately living with someone i accidentally moved here from from new york and i just happened to be visiting la when the pandemic started and so i was oh, living with oh. with people at the time and that that was really jarring for me to see how people lived and to to then like i i was someone who like went to the grocery store three times a day and would just get one or two things and like it really rattled it it really rattled me and to see that you but it also was really great and inspiring and i was so influenced by these dudes that i was living with and how the how they ate and and all the people that i lived with throughout that time and it's so interesting to see how the two of you came together and really like we all kind of had to make the best of it that time was so uncertain and it's not surprising that it felt like you're on a ship kind of, right? Like you're here we are, we don't know what's happening. And that that feels correct for this, right? Of like 
that you came together eating seafood on this wild ride and bonded over this and then made it happen. It all feels really magical. And I I love that it started at at that time, which feels so quick. Like it that doesn't, I guess it's you know a year ago now, but it just feels congratulations on what it's become even so quickly. I feel like it's kind of you know, the people that have gotten in relationships this year, you, you, the thing I feel like I hear all the time is that it's just a very accelerated process because it's like, you don't have any other plans. Like you have nowhere else to go or no ostensible good reason to like stop hanging out with the person. So just things move very quickly. And I feel like, I don't know, Caroline, if you agree, but kind of a similar situation. It was like, we didn't have anything else to do. Yeah. So that's what we did. Mm-hmm. So now how do you divide the tasks as co-founders and you know what what has been your favorite part of this process for each of you? I think my my favorite part of the pro I mean, I think and you probably hear this like every time, and I'm sure you've experienced this yourself. Um, but when you when you found a company or start a project from the ground up, you just learn so, so much so quickly. So I think, you know, you look back three months ago and are like, I cannot believe that this was my plan or this is what, no, this is what we were intending. So obviously, as Caroline said, we did not have experience in the food or seafood industries, but when you're trying to build a seafood company, you like really have to learn a lot very, very quickly about it. So like, if you think about, we've almost been doing this a year now. And if you're just thinking about the seafood industry for an entire year, it really unfolds itself. So I think that my my favorite part of it has just been learning about an entirely new industry. I worked in the music industry before this, not similar. But yeah, I think that has been very honestly there have been so many amazing things it's hard to say, but uh, I think just like being exposed to an entirely new way of communicating and collaborating with people. Like I just love talking to the people that like I'm buying fish from and like when we get a new sample made and we get to like send back the cans to the the fishery or the farm and people are like oh my god this is i've never had we're about to launch a product smoked rainbow trout which i'm sure this will come out after the trout is out but like this amazing trout farm in idaho had never like sold tinned versions of their incredible trout and like just having them try it and be so amazed by the by how good it tasted that stuff is very exciting i love that so are you doing this full-time now becca I am. I'm like so freaking blessed. Um, wow. we We're are all like, blessed to have Becca <laughs> full time on Fishwife. Yeah, I definitely got. I mean, again, it was it was pretty accelerated, and I'm so yeah. grateful for that. But yes, I'm doing. I've been doing it full time since mid mid January, and it is the greatest gift. I love that. I think the best part for me has been seeing the response from people. Like, I'm used to writing for TV and like working in as a creative, like writer and performer and stuff like that. And there's this unique, amazing feeling of working on something for so long, whether it's a TV show or a tin fish and knowing that you love it and you're responding to the packaging or the taste or the product and putting it out in the world. And there's no greater feeling than having your suspicions confirmed and your feelings validated by people that are responding to what you've done. It's, it's a uniquely incredible feeling as a creative or 
as a co-founder of a company. It's been incredible. I think that people have had like such unilaterally positive responses and seeing people come out of the woodwork and be like, I love Tin Fish and I love what you're doing and you're making it cool and like making it exciting to love Tin Fish or people responding to the branding, which we're so passionate about and so in love with, or people responding to the product itself, which we're also so passionate about and so in love with just getting positive feedback from people and having them respond passionately has been incredible. Yeah. I want to hear about the name and how you came up with it because Caroline, I heard you explain it on another podcast and I had no idea. So did you workshop other names? How did you land on Fishwife? And can one of you talk about the meaning? Becca, you take it. Yeah. So again, when we like came up with the idea to start a company, we truly probably went through like a month or two of just talking to like every entrepreneur or founder or CEO that we had contact with. So I think the the maybe the day after we came up with the idea, we actually called my friend Greer. We we basically called all of our friends also that just have really good taste. You know, have you just like have friends that are always very hot on the trends? Yeah. So we called Greer and she and her sisters run this incredible textile company called Block Shop. It's also based in LA. It's just an amazing company. And Greer was an English major and just as smart as hell. Um, And we were telling her about this company. And I think she was just kind of Googling or something. And she brought up the name Fishwife. We give her full credit. Um, She came up with this this word. She found this word that we were not familiar with. And then we like dug into the etymology of it and it was so perfectly fit with what our project was and who we were as people. Um, and Caroline, do you want to talk about that? Well, fishwife is a word that was like maybe more in vogue in starting in like the 17th century going up into like the 19th century. It's not like a word that you hear colloquially all the time anymore, but it A, referred to literally women who sold fish, like women in your lo- the local market who were selling their fish like alongside other vendors. And they were sometimes semi-frequently the wives of fishermen who were like, their duty was to be in the market and like sell their husband's stuff. But in a really interesting twist, we discovered that these women often had more like legal rights and responsibilities than like most women did in that era. And they were often like given different property owning rights or like money holding rights. And they were like these very powerful entrepreneurial figures in like 16th and 17th century women entrepreneurial history. And because of their powers and like interesting abilities in society, the term almost evolved did evolve into a gendered insult against women that were strong, foul-mouthed, tough, brassy, brash women. So whereas it like does mean, you know, like these women who sold fish, it also evolved to be this insult that you I feel like see in like Shakespearean times mm-hmm. and beyond to refer to like a loud-mouthed, strong, brashy woman. And as to very proud entrepreneurial, strong, give no fucks women. We definitely identify as fishwives in more ways than one. We literally sell fish and we're loud ass, loud ass crass bitches. bitches. <laughs> so we're like, okay, this term is so perfect on a thousand levels. It, mm-hmm. it like, we have to make this the name of our company. 
It's so good. It's incredible. So you have this video on your Instagram that is was my introduction to you, Becca. And it is so perfect. It's the fishwife lunch. And I thought I was alone when I, as we discussed, my my love of 10 fish. I work one day a week at this shop in my neighborhood that has a whole table of 10 fish, which we will talk about this later, but we have to get fishwife on this table. But I feel like what we call the the owners of the shop and I and my friends now, we call this picnic meal where at least, mm. I was going to say at least one night a week, but really right now it's looking at way more than that. Several nights a week, we have picnic meal, which is like a good bottle of natural wine, mm. preferably some bread or a fancy cracker of sorts, tinned fish, a vegetable of sorts, maybe a mustard splash. It's a, a board. And something pickled, if we are that lucky, perhaps a cheese, maybe not. And it is my favorite way to eat. Like I could be happy. That is my last meal food. That is my, what I want to eat on my birthday. That is, I'd like to have that ideally at all times. And seeing your lunch video, Becca, was so good. Like you were so cool. Just like getting out a hunk of bread and being like, all you do, you open the can, you put it in here. So I would love if, if each of you could talk about, you know, your ideal picnic meal, or, you know, if you have a experience eating tinned fish that you could remember talk about other than those first ones in Q1 of quarantine that were the inception of the company. Like our favorite ways to eat, let's say our hero product right now, which is like the fishwife spoked tuna. Yeah, or just like a memory eating ten fish, or in, mm. in like introducing it to someone else. Even I have a really good one. Great. <laughs> so me and my very close friend went on a road trip in the fall to visit some of our farms and some fishermen and canneries, and we had some fishwife samples on the road with us. Anyway, we were doing a, a backpacking trip in Sawtooth in Idaho. And we were doing a little bit of microdosing, which sometimes you just, it really makes the sunshine a bit brighter. And we got out to Sawtooth Lake, which I don't know who's been there. It's just, it's really, really stunning. Um, and it's usually sort of like packed, you know, with, with people because it's a very star destination, but there was no one there. And we like, threw off our like backpacks and like got into our swimsuits and we were starving and we like broke out. I think we had some like trout and tuna samples and just like ate them on a sparklingly sunny lake with, I don't know what did we eat them with. I guess we had a, we had like a little baguette. Um, and it was truly, it was like, it doesn't get better than that. It was absolutely heaven. Wow. Yeah. That sounds pretty magical. Caroline, did one come to mind for you? That's going to be hard to beat. No, I know. That's such a beautiful, evocative picture. I've definitely, and I think this really is like the perfect uh, counter story to that. There have been times when I'm like walking around LA or driving around and I'm like so hungry. I want a snack. And you're like passing all these fast food places. You're like, oh, should I like drive through and get chicken nuggets? But sometimes I'll pass a grocery store park, go in, just get one can of sardines and just 
eat it on the hood of my car in a parking lot <laughs> at an LA grocery store. It's like a, it's like my version of trail mix when I'm yes. uh, urban ex- when I'm urban exploring, and it's so satisfying and you're full and it's just like a proteinous, delicious umami. And I'm like hardcore. I can eat. So I like to eat sardines or tin fish without bread. Like I'm just like get it down. Yeah. Same. So yeah. So that's. That is like a very pleasant, beautiful, personal memory I have of just like being alone, getting a can of sardines somewhere and eating them on the hood of my car. I was out looking at apartments when I first came here and I had that that exact experience you were describing. And I truly thought I was alone, that I that was that eating fish right? in my car experience. And I've never felt more connected to you. <laughs> It is, let's just say like uh, props and good words to the idea of carrying sardines around in your car, in your purse with a fork and just like pulling over on the side of the road and going crazy. Yeah. I remember there was this woman who I really, really looked up to in New York. She was maybe in her like 60s or 70s. And I remember like here over here, I don't even think she was speaking to me, but I, I just am remembering this now. I remember her saying that like she always travels with a couple boxes mm-hmm. of sardines or tinned fish in her suitcase. And I re- remember just being like, that's odd, but sounds so good. And now <laughs> I think of it so differently. Like that's something I want to and will travel with. When I went to Europe, I think I had like a bunch of cliff bars in my bag, like just in case, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um yeah, make cliff make sardines the new cliff bars. Yeah, really, absolutely. Really. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's something that, you know, take this and do with it what you will, but like a future product could be like a more on the go, you know, your kind bar, your cliff bar, but a an easily Squeaky. in in the car sort of situation. Like a gogurt but sardine. Got <laughs> 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 like crackers in there. <laughs> I used to love those like Starkist tuna creations Yeah, that would like come with a little fork and come with little crackers and there would be like little uh, like chopped up lemon or some shit in the tuna. Like I would love one day to make the fishwife version mm. of that. Yeah. It's an elevated Lunchable. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Probably I think we're to onto something. Yeah. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Someone. All right. I feel like I have an eye for how I want things to look design-wise, but skill level, I am a beginner. I have never been good at design software, really computer things in general. And I have spent so much money and time in the design process making things look how I want them to look. But now I feel like I can edit things and make things and work with a team and collaborate on design elements for Let It Out and the work that I do for invitations, for anything I'm trying to make with Canva Pro. I can't even believe that Canva Pro is a sponsor of this podcast. My designs, my content, the newsletters that you might read that I make, the slides that you see in Instagram have been made in Canva Pro. How I tell you about this very podcast that you're listening to, the videos, the slides that have the photo of the guest, all made in Canva Pro. 
Canva Pro is the easy to use design platform that has everything you need to design like a pro. Whether you're a professional designer or you're just getting started, Canva Pro can help you boost you and your team's productivity and creativity. It's quick, it's easy, and it's affordable. And it's really, you know, it does so much with design. No matter what you're creating or sharing, Canva Pro has everything you need in one place, including a collection of over 75 million premium photos, videos, audio graphics. Plus, Canva Pro comes with time-saving tools that can simplify and speed up the creative process. You'll get all of this in just one Canva Pro subscription. My favorite feature on Canva Pro right now is that you can change the background of things very easily. You can upload your own font. So we have these fonts that are special from our brand that we use for Let It Out. We upload those to Canva Pro. They're in there. We can make templates. And my favorite thing right now is that you can do something that if you've ever played around with design, you know what this means, but removing the background, like cutting out an image used to be so, so challenging. And I remember having to ask friends to do that for me and it was a whole thing. That's my favorite feature of Canva Pro. You just click a button and there it goes. The background, it's cut out. It's so simple. There is never an idea too big or too small for Canva Pro. I love making our graphics for this very show. Like I said, in Canva, I made an invitation for something I was planning a little bit ago, safely in Canva Pro, very simple. Design like a pro with Canva Pro. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial when you use my code. Just go to canva.me slash let it out to get your free 45-day extended trial. That's Canva C A N V A dot M E slash let it out. Canva dot me slash let it out. This week's episode is sponsored by Apostrophe, a prescription skincare company for people that are ready to take their acne seriously. I'm one of them. Prescription acne treatments really work. I've been using them for a very long time since I was a teenager, but they can be really hard to get. You have to take time off work. You have to go sit in a doctor's office and go to a pharmacy until Apostrophe. Apostrophe makes it easy to see a board certified dermatologist online. You'll get treated immediately and your medications are delivered right to your home. Simply fill out Apostrophe's online questionnaire about your skin concerns and medical history. Then just snap a few selfies and your dermatologist will get back to you with a customized treatment plan tailored exactly for what you need. The best part is that Apostrophe offers both topical and oral medications. So you can treat your acne from the inside out if needed. Apostrophe treats acne, but they also can help you with a billion other skincare goals. I have a lot of goals like reducing wrinkles, reducing redness, even dark spots. So that's what I'm getting help with, all of the above. I'm really loving Apostrophe. I'm using their high dosage of, let me see, I've actually got it right here. Tretinoin 0.5%. I put it on in the evenings. I really think it's helping me. I also got another prescription for my eyelashes that is really helping me. The customer experience is so simple. I love getting the box. It's so luxe when it comes. It's like in this really great packaging and it's so simple and it's 
easy. Like the whole thing is just easy. It's a great experience. My skin feels better. It has ingredients that I know really work and are very simple. So if you want to try apostrophe, I highly recommend it. Let me know if you have any questions. You can get $15 off your first visit with a board certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash let it out and use the code let it out. This code is only available to our listeners. So to get started today, go to apostrophe.com slash let it out and click begin visit and then use the code let it out at sign up and you'll get your $15 off your dermatology visit. That's apostrophe, A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash let it out and use the code let it out to get your dermatology visit for $15 off. And we thank apostrophe for sponsoring this podcast. So Caroline, you're obviously a hilarious writer and viral internet artist and you go by as becca mentioned official sean penn on on instagram and i i too have been a fan of yours since your show this week had me like and i listened to glowing up and i think you are wonderful but i also you know like even just listing all of that off i i relate to you in the sense of doing a lot of things. I don't do as many and as successfully, but I'm curious, is is this a mode that you've always been in, taking on doing a lot of things and wearing a lot of hats? And you know, what helps you be a master of so many things? Well, the key is to do everything kind of badly. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You're doing so much so well. You're a master of all. Uh, I think, yeah, I'm telling you, the the key is to just like half-ass everything. No, I don't know. It's, I'm just a multifaceted person to a fault. And I'm a big fan of starting new projects and I get really passionate about things and I love seeing them through. And yeah, it's crazy. In the last year alone, we launched Fishwife, which like alone by itself is like a huge accomplishment that I still can't believe we were able to do wrote and performed a true crime podcast about Jeremy Renner, the Renner files, which is really crazy. It's a true crime podcast about the rise and fall of Jeremy Renner's app. And it's really funny and weird in all the best ways. And I've been writing on a new show produced by Mindy Kaling. That'll be on HBO max this fall. So yeah, it's been kind of a crazy year. But I mean, I'm a big believer in collaborating. Like Becca and I are joined at the hip and we're constantly in communication. Becca's our CEO and she's full-time. So she is just by nature of her her title and her role within the company. She is on Fishwife, you know, 24-7 and she does such a good job. And it's awesome. We're constantly in communication. We're basically texting like, 28 hours of the day, just total stream of consciousness about like everything that's happening, whether it's like samples coming in or like a invoice issue, like every little thing we're just texting about. And I love it. I love the excitement. Like I love to be busy. Like I love when things are constantly coming my way. Yeah. I can definitely get crazy to go from like pitching jokes and then looking at my phone and like thinking about like fishermen invoices. <laughs> it's um, a bit chaotic. 
Have you always been that way? Like when you were in school, did you do a lot of things? Did you, were you? No, honestly, I was always really single-mindedly focused on comedy. Yeah. But I think I have this like deep entrepreneurial streak. I know my, my great grandma on my mom's side was like, this female business owner in this small town in Iran and like sold rugs. And she was like the only female business owner. Like, yeah. in the town. And I, I feel like I just have this very deep entrepreneurial need to create and put things into the world. And I don't know, I think it's really blossomed in my twenties and beyond. And it's kind of like when you're you know, when I started out official Sean Penn and I like didn't have a comedy writing job and I was just like doing it for fun. That's when I started selling merch just for some extra money on the side and to like connect more with my fans. And that was like a crash course in 21st century entrepreneurship, like selling things online, basically. It's interesting to see how everything, you know, you can connect the dots of everything Mm. that you do. And and then in a way, it does fit together, you know, and, and you somehow make it fit together and, because it's you. And and I think that that's, it's really cool and impressive. And yeah, I, I, I'm a, a fan of all of your projects and I can imagine it can feel overwhelming at times, but also really great and, and fun and, you, and collaborating has to have challenges, but also probably mostly really, really great. Can we talk about a, official Sean Penn for a moment? Please. So I'm curious, yes. is there a a post or a memory or a moment or like a favorite of yours that, that you can tell us about or like the No, beginning? I can't remember them. <laughs> I have such a bad memory. Uh, it's really hard for me to remember things, but I can always look at a post and like kind of remember where I was when I put po- or like kind of, it kind of like triggers a memory for me. But um. I I don't really have one. I just remember getting really excited when like people I admired creatively would follow me and be like, or DM me and be like, you're funny. Like, I love this. Like, I, uh, like comedy idols I had, like some of my first jobs writing comedy came from official Sean Penn, which is like the best thing ever. Like when, you know, Alana Glazer followed me and, you know, obviously like Broad City is com- comedy genius. My favorite show, it was like s- the, the most important work of art in the 2010s. No, I really love it. And Alana was like, hey, do you want to like help write for Broad City? And I got to pitch jokes for a season of Broad City, which like blew my mind. And Eric Andre, who's like one of my comedic heroes, was like, hey, have you ever written for TV before? Like, come write on my show. And I got to like go right on his show. And those were my first real professional comedy jobs. And they just purely came from people I love and respected following me and responding to my what I wrote in the captions on official Sean Penn. So validating. That those are the best memories. That's so cool. Do you I saw I looked at it today and I saw that you have someone helping you with it. So Yes, I just hired, I just brought someone onto the OSP team. It's this awesome girl, Taylor Farish. Everyone should go follow her. Her info's in the bio on OSP. She's so awesome. And it's like truly amazing to have someone that I creatively click with who uh, can also like help take some of the burden off my plate. And I'm just like, you go crazy 
and we're just like collaborating and posting fun things. She's awesome. I love that. Yes. Well, well with that, you know, it's really impressive that you collaborate with, with so many people, you know, including her and obviously Becca and you co-host, you know, two podcasts that you've co-hosted. How do you navigate relationships with people who are friends and you, you also work with, do you have, and this is a question, you know, really for both of you, but navigating friend time and, and talking about work, is that ever difficult or do you have any advice on that? Becca, I have thoughts on this. Do you have yeah. thoughts on this, Carolyn? You go, you take it, Becca. I mean, I definitely just feel like it is, I mean, it goes without saying, it's just really important to figure out, to put aside time to just be friends because we obviously could talk about Fishwife until the cows came home, but then you like lose sight of, you know, just like the energy that you share as friends and like the energy that led to you starting a collaboration, starting a project together. So I feel like, with me and Caroline, it honestly is, I mean, it's pretty unsaid, but it's just like, there will be times that we are doing stuff that is not fishwife related. And I feel like we both are just sort of conscious about not, you know, like we're having dinner, we're having Shabbat, we're having a birthday party. And it's like, let's maybe not talk about this for a little bit because it's hard to talk about it without really talking about it, you know, with your co-founder. It's like, it's very difficult to just kind of like breeze over the business just because there's so much to say all the time. But it makes the victories and the ch- even the challenges of a business so much more personal and like so much sweeter when you're celebrating them or mourning mm. them even with someone who you're so close with, who like knows you on a personal level and like makes you laugh and you have memories with like, it becomes part of the deep fabric of your relationship. And I think it's made Becca and I's relationship like deeper in a almost impossible to quantify way. We're like experiencing like great professional highs and lows together. It's like back to that intimacy. I'm three, four, four years older than Becca and like watching her rise to be CEO of a company that we're starting together and fully embrace it and join full time and put her, you know, blood, sweat and tears into making this company into something great. It's like sweet on a level as her co-founder, but also like as her friend and someone who's watched her grow, I'm like watching her grow into this like very professional, inspiring young woman. And it's like so rewarding on so many levels. That is very mm. sweet. I love that. I, I'm really happy. I feel like this will be such a nice time capsule of, you know, Cut to your- our lawsuit. Yeah. When <laughs> after everything I own. the shit out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is, you're going to be the next. Um, there is no next. Like you are the first. <laughs> um, wow. It's beautiful. I'm like feeling emotional. Um, so before I, I ask everyone these rapid fire questions that we'll get to in a second, but before I would really like to go deep on oysters. Caroline, I, I've heard. Oh you- my God. My favorite topic. <laughs> I I know I follow you on Instagram, Caroline, and I know your. I saw you post about oysters last week, last month. Unclear, and I mean I, every almost every day of my life. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and actually, right after this, I'm going to meet 
two friends at the the place in Silver Lake that I can never. It's like L and B or D L and E Oyster Bar. E. I can never remember. You want to come? You guys want to meet me? Oh, wow. I, I looked for a reservation at Found Oyster Bar tonight, which is my favorite oyster place in Los Angeles. And uh, they didn't have any tonight. I know for a, yes, I because we tried to get one for my birthday, which is coming up, and they didn't have one either. So it's happy, happy birthday, Taurus Queen. <laughs> you just had a birthday, well, right? I don't know when I don't know if you're a Taurus. I'm sorry. I am a Taurus. <laughs> I just had a birthday. Yeah. I and you know I ate oysters for that birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Um dude, I have been in such an oyster phase. And look, also shout tell out Tell me to- everything. Shout out to Tinned Oysters. I, yes. Becca mm-hmm. and I are like really passionate about bringing on a bivalves. Bivalves. They're called yep. oysters Wait, and what? Mussels. What does that mean? Oysters and mussels are referred to as bivalves. And scallops. I, I hate yeah. that term. Love the food, but that's a good <laughs> note. That's a good note. Maybe we'll workshop that a little yeah. bit. Maybe it's best not to leave with like the scientific name. <laughs> Please. But, um, Please. But they are called that. There's some like as you can imagine, bivalve system that gives them their nutrients, but they are basically these like incredibly sustainable, potentially like earth saving foods. Mm -hmm. Uh, They clean the water around them and subsist on like the particles that float their way. Becca, put that in a, in a more appetizing (laughs) professional way, please. They just like, there are no, there are no feed seafood products. So like you don't, I think Obviously, a lot of the questions about seafood sustainability are related to the feed that's used for them. I won't go too too deep into it, but it's like, you know, historically at fish farms, sometimes it'll take up one fish, one wild caught fish to, to grow and nurture one farm fish. So that obviously is not a sustainable rhythm. Um, but with bivalves, like, like mussels and oysters, they like filter like the the like microbes around them. And so they like clean their marine environment and they're just like incredibly healthy and proteinaceous and rich, with like iron. Um, but they just like, don't take, you know, Oh, hello. I didn't mean to do that. Sorry. <laughs> um, I meant to unmute and then I, I yeah, but basically they don't, they don't like <laughs> take anything other than just cleaning their marine environment. So they're a very incredible, sustainable option. If, so if you can see what we're passionate about incorporating them into the fish fold. <laughs> but yes. on a personal level, I have been in the biggest love affair with oysters recently. I don't know what kicked it off because I don't remember growing up and eating them a lot, but I had some in LA and I'm like, holy shit, raw oysters mm. are my literal favorite food in the entire world. I love the texture. I love how cold they are. I love the ritual of eating them. The slurp Mm -hmm. is the most satisfying culinary mouthfeel moment. And I love the, love the condiments that come with oysters, whether it's horseradish. Hi. I mean, horseradish, not the most delicious thing in the world or those chopped shallots and vinegar that you pour on them. Like the condiments couldn't be better. You squeeze a lemon all over your big, cold, slimy oysters. Oh my God, I can't get enough. And I have been having oysters up and down the California coast. I have been in truly a deep and powerful love affair. Like I think the best oysters I've had are in Morro Bay. Have you guys been to Morro Bay? My friends just went there. It's kind of far, but honestly, no distance is too far for oysters. It's up the coast kind of near like, uh, what's it called? It's like over the hill from Paso Robles. And Oh my God, they have oysters. They have really good oyster farms up there. So you can get really fresh, delicious oysters. Oh my God. I could eat a dozen oysters easily. Like no question. Mm. 
it's all I want ever. It, Same. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's yeah. It, it's expensive. It's, I mean, Becca obviously told us how nutritious it is and it's really incredible. There's this episode of Terry Gross on Fresh Air that came out. I don't know, several years ago, I remember where I was when I heard it in New York, but she talks about it. I got to find it and send it to you too, because she talks about with this person she's interviewing, maybe you've heard it about exactly what you were saying, Becca, about them being bottom feeders. And I believe that like sardines and anchovies are, are as well, like in a similar category and how sustainable eating tinned fish is essentially and, and oysters and mussels. And it was so affirming of my love for this food. But I think part of it was like, I love going out to dinner for the experience of going out to dinner. And that was something that was taken away from us that, you know, in a really beautiful way of the pandemic, being able to, you know, be in people's homes more and create that somewhere else and and for ourselves is cool. But oysters is something that I hadn't had in really since the pandemic until somewhat recently. And I had this night of seafood with my friend that was so romantic, so incredible. And she, we had so much seafood and and she turned to me after and she was like, if we must be mermaids, like the fact that we can (laughs) have so much seafood, so many days in a row, we're talking tin fit. I mean, that's the only logical solution. And then I'm so happy to hear that about a couple. I mean, we've truly gone out of this being a a podcast about your company. And I'm just like shooting the shit with you about our love of niche seafood products at this point. But there is a boxed oyster from, or I mean, it's a tinned fish, but you know, the, the outside's a box from Trader Joe's that is so incredible. Do you guys know the one I'm talking about? This is like your version of the cod. I assume it's like a smoked. Yes, a tin it's smoked. exactly. Yeah. My dad grew. My dad ate so many smoked. That was my dad's favorite food growing up. He would eat them constantly. The Trader Joe's ones. He would yeah, go. they are so good. I I would love to see Fishwife have that on their docket at at some point. We're working on it. Great, you me. <laughs> Great. I can also see Fishwife condiments. I'm so happy you mentioned that, Caroline, because. I, I mean, this, this, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but you know, this will, will shock no one when you hear this, but I, my family went growing up owned Arby's restaurants, <laughs> the fast food Shut chain. your fucking mouth. That's right. So horsey sauce, which is horseradish <laughs> based was in our refrigerator at all times. <laughs> yeah. Oh it's my a lot God. To unpack. Oh, <laughs> truly insane. I'm kind of freaking out. I only had Arby's for the first time like last year. What did you think? What did you order? I got the roast beef sandwich. I feel like the classic. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. I remember the bun I think was really soft and the meat was really good and the horsey sauce fucking. Oh, and the curly fries. The The curly fries. Classic. Oh, and I know there's controversy in the Arby's universe right now because they've just introduced a thick steak cut. They introduce a new kind of fries. I want to say steak cut fries. Well, that that could be true, but I know you know. Grow, I grew up in the back of these greasy RVs where you would slip on the floor because there was so much grease, and there were always oh two God. kinds of fries. So this could might be a third kind of fry because there was always the curly fry that everyone thinks of with curly RVs, fries, but then incredible. there's a straight fry, a 
that, but maybe there's a third fry in the mix now that I'm not aware of. My yes. family has since sold them. Yes. And- Arby's just, Arby's just debuted crinkle cut fries <gasps> as a wow. permanent menu item. That's wow. pretty big news in the Arby's universe. Wow. I, I have not stayed up on it. They, they've since sold them and they're now, um, oh. they were bought by weed shops in, in Michigan now. Oh. So, you know, that's, it's come and gone, but you know, worth wow. going back. Maybe we should make that our field trip. We get oysters, we get the Arby's crinkle fries to dip into mussels perhaps. And I will uh, say I did not feel good after eating the Arby's. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And that's something that, you know, with the oysters, I always feel light and bright. <laughs> Same. That's why I feel like I could eat so many oysters. Mm. Oh, God. I'm so hungry now, you guys. I know. I know. All right. Well, let's quickly do the rapid fire questions. You ready for them? Yes. Yeah. Okay. What is the best thing that each of you have eaten in the last week? First thing that comes to mind. Oh, my mom's Tariq and Gorma Sabzi last weekend. Oh my God. Okay. That I saw that come on. It looked insane. I went to my friend Emily's house today. She's Greek and she made us like, uh, sort of like, I don't know what it's called, but it's kind of like Spanakopita, but with salmon. And I was just amazed that she knew how to do things with phyllo dough because phyllo dough is very mystifying and scary to me. Both of those sound delicious. What's your favorite place in LA or favorite part of living here, growing up here in your case, Caroline? Uh, the Valley. I'm a Valley girl at heart and I love driving down Ventura Boulevard. It makes me so happy. Wow. I love the LA river so much. It's just like so beautiful and dystopian and it's. Wait, today I was by the LA river, Becca, and I saw ducklings and like a stork. That Well, that's what the thing, it's like full of incredible wildlife. They're like all of these snowy egrets and herons. Yeah, I saw an egret at yeah, or something. It was crazy. I was like, what the yeah. fuck? There's like a ton of trash and it's like a concrete river and then just like an abundance of wildlife. So are you guys talking about like by spoke in the La Colombe? Over yes, there? I was yeah. just at the La Colombe on the river watching full blown ducklings. I was there yesterday getting uh, those puffy drinks there and I, I would not think it's like bursting with wildlife. It, it you just got to sit there and just watch. It is yeah. so alive and magical and I think there's a lot that's going to happen in the LA River in the coming years. I'm excited mm. to watch it happen. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What has been something that surprised you or a biggest challenge in starting a, a business this year? It's really hard to get people to learn about your business that don't know you. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's a challenge. That's a challenge for me. I think something that surprised me is kind of what Caroline said, like, I think if we had known how much shit we would have to do and how hard and how long it was going to be, it would have been very intimidating. And a lot of entrepreneurs say this, but it surprised me that it didn't feel that hard. And now looking back, I'm like, wow, that was a lot of work and continues to be so. Mm, Yeah. That's it all. What helps each of you with productivity, with having, you know, being people who are doing a lot of things in charge of a lot of things, how do you structure your days? You gotta like plan it out ahead. Like Sunday, you gotta block. You gotta make a list of okay, everything I'm gonna get done on Monday, and then what I'm gonna get done during the week, and then like block out time because it will it will slip. And leaving your phone in another room, which causes me to miss Caroline's calls sometimes, or Caroline, but it's just so important. Get your phone out of there. I always have a paper to-do list with me at all times in a little notebook. 
And if I don't write down even like emails to respond to, because sometimes I'll be in a writer's room or like not able to respond to an email, but like as things come in, I have to write them down. Otherwise I don't get them done. What about Caroline? Some of your, do you have any writing habits or processes or routines? No, I just write when I need to write. Honestly, I'm a writer who pretty much hates writing and (laughs) (laughs) I, I, and I think that's okay. And when I need to write, I will get it done, but I'm too busy right now to like write for fun, but maybe one day. Yeah. You, you're so quick and you are so genuine and and funny and in all of your projects that, that I've, which is all of them that I've seen and engaged with. But do you often get hit with ideas and try to capture them and write them down? Or how do you capture your ideas? Is it a note in your phone or in a notebook? Yes, it's definitely writing things down. And I get so many of my ideas, like you said earlier in the podcast, like I'm so prone to collaborations. Like it's a disease. I'm I'm <laughs> prone to collaborations. Um, I have collaboration sickness. It's and it's fatal. So I get so many ideas and I get so much life like bouncing ideas off of other funny friends and collaborators. That's like that is when the magic comes out and the funniest things happen. I love that. We always talk about body image on on this show. So have you know either of you as as women, as people, as people doing a lot of different things, doing public things, have you ever struggled with this? And what do you do? I usually frame this question as you're having a bad body image day. How do you pivot? Um, I have them like every day, constantly. This is like, this is like a whole new can of worms. I'm like, how much time do we have? (laughs) You know, the thing that keeps me most grounded with like, you know, disordered eating or like whack body image or like whatever variety of like negative thoughts I that may pass through my head on any given day is honestly maintaining a very healthy and consistent relationship with food. Yeah. Whether it's cooking good foods, eating good foods, keeping things I like to eat in the house, enjoying when I eat and not worrying too much, but just trying to eat whole natural foods that don't come in a package, which by the way, I also have a bag of Takis open on my desk as we speak and I've been going on mute to eat them. So (laughs) I think it's about balance. I think it's about eating what you want, moving your body in whatever way makes you feel good. Those basic tenets, especially my healthy relationship with food and cooking and eating are like what keep me grounded and what keep me sane living in this shell of a body. Yeah. I'm I'm totally the same way. Just like you know, I figure if I'm having a great time running, I'm a runner, love to run. If I'm doing that and eating foods that make me feel good and taste good. That's as much as I can do. So it's kind of hands off from there. Yeah. I love that. You, Caroline, have this podcast called Glowing Up and where you talk about beauty. And so I would love if both of you could share a habit or or a beauty product or a makeup or an idea or a concept that you're loving right now that you want to share or recommend? Oh my God. So many. All of mine are from Caroline. (sighs) The one that knows. I'll just say, because I'm looking at it, my Nukes 
but or I, maybe I'm saying it wrong. Oh, just thinking about that, Becca, my favorite product of all time. Sorry, I credit. I mean, you fully told me about it, but right now, yeah, my Nukes body oil, I'm probably saying that's so wrong. It just, it smells like truly heaven. It makes me feel so happy and French. I don't know this. Wait, how do you spell it? N-U-X-E. It's a French, uh, it's a French cosmetics brand and they make this famous dry body oil. That's for, as they say, body, hair, and face, but I just use it on my body too. I have it comes in regular, a glittery version and a floral version. Mm. And it's my number one must buy when I'm in Paris. I usually come back with like more than 10 bottles and I give it to everyone and save a bunch for myself and hoard it and only use it on special occasions. It's like so, 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 so precious to me. I saw it at Broom Street for both of you. Broom Street General Store is one on the South side and you can get oh. it there. It was a revelation to me. So pick it up. It's amazing. Hot tip. We're going to sell them out. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Love. Cool. Do you have another one, Caroline? I love so many products. I'm truly like, I'm just looking around my room for some inspiration. <laughs> I love, okay. I love Tower 28. Are you guys familiar with that brand? It's a relatively new makeup brand and their products are really, really skin friendly, like made with really non-irritating ingredients. The founder, this woman, Amy Liu, like struggled with eczema and things like that. So she wanted to make a beauty brand that was like really, really clean and didn't trigger any skin issues. And they, I'm just so in love with everything they make. They make these amazing cream bronzers in all these different shades that are so blendable and light and kind of glittery. They're like the perfect no makeup summery like thing. You can just throw on your cheeks. They make amazing cream blushes. They make this amazing face spray. It's called their SOS face spray. And it has one ingredient called like hydrophonic acid. It's like called an acid, but it's really this like super, super healing ingredient that is, it's like has this whole backstory, but it's like really good for all skin ailments, dry eczema, redness, acne. And I just like spray it all over my face and it makes me feel so good. I love it. I love that. Um, so you both seem like you have a really great relationship with social media, but I guess everyone, unless you talk about it, maybe seems that way, but you know, you, Caroline, have have several social media accounts. And with the Fishwife social media, I love following Fishwife. How do you balance that? Or, or, you know, do you have boundaries with it? Becca, you mentioned keeping your phone in the other room when you're working. But I would love to just hear where each of you are with social media and how it affects you. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the thing about like running a business or honestly just in so many industries, you really can't totally divorce yourself from social media because it's a vital part of your business. Obviously, like a huge percent of our growth and sales is, is, is due to our, you know, Instagram platform. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I think it's what I try to do with the fishwife Instagram, which I sort of, you know, I'm the one like clicking the buttons on, um, it's like, try to get everything done all at once. And then put the phone in the other room again, just because you can check it. And Caroline is, I think, much better at this than than I am because exciting things are coming in and exciting people are following you and people are sharing recipes and you just want to see it all. It can be cripplingly, cripplingly addictive. 
So I am still very much in the process of figuring out how to run a fun social media account while not letting that absorb too much of my time because it is definitely not the most important thing in the business. Yeah, it's hard. Those exciting things. Even email can be like that. It's like I heard this on like some productivity thing I was reading or watching, but like the important tasks go away. And so it's, you know, you never know. You might get a email. Most of the time it's boring and most of the time it's mundane, but every once in a while there's an exciting email or an opportunity. And it's the same with social media and it can be really addictive in that way. I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> It's a nightmare. It is a living yeah. nightmare. And I, I think sh- I should delete TikTok from my phone because I've gotten in this habit where I try not to. I try to read before I go to bed, but sometimes I'll bring the phone in and then I'll open TikTok and I could scroll TikTok for an hour. It's really dark. And it like the blue light keeps me up and then I can't go to bed. Like, so I am that I've never been someone who's like, I'm deleting Instagram from my phone. So I stay off it. But I actually feel the need to do that with TikTok for the first time in my life. And I've been on social media for a long time. So that's really saying something about the addictive nature of TikTok for me. Yikes. Yeah, it, it's fascinating. And I think like at every level and when it's connected to your work and when it's connected to, you know, I heard someone say this, like it's inviting everyone you've ever met to your office. And there's, you know, people that you went to high school with and people you had a crush on and, you know, people that you... I mean, that's Instagram I'm talking about. And I haven't even... I think I'm just going to opt out of TikTok because mm-hmm. I I haven't gotten started and I feel like the second I download it, it'll just be another thing. Are you yeah. making things on, on TikTok, Caroline, or are you just consuming it? No, mostly? I'm so bad at making TikToks, but we have a Fishwife TikTok. Everyone should follow it. It's at Eat Fishwife. And we're working with like cool friends who are helping us make pretty content because I don't know how to make a TikTok for shit. Well, maybe I'll get a TikTok just and only follow Fishwife. Wait till we like are good at it. <laughs> Get us like uh, two months. It's you just say bad. the word and I will join TikTok for <laughs> Fishwife, my favorite company. Okay, cool. We'll let you know. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in no rush. So take your time. What is each of your favorite part of your life right now? I mean, I know we were getting off the, the Fishwife thing, but honestly, Fishwife is probably is my entire life and it's my favorite part of my <laughs> Other than my, I have very amazing friends who I love. And, and also I talk to them about Fishwife almost constantly. So yeah, kind of one of those one trick ponies at the moment. Mm. Thankfully, it's really, really fun. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's nothing really beats Fishwife. I have to say it's so exciting in such a unique way. Like that's been different from everything else in my career. Mm. It's like the highs feel higher and the stakes feel more exciting and it's just so fun it's like a, such a different skill set that we're both strengthening it's awesome i love that what are you most curious about right now i think for me it is just needing to know so much more about like the seafood you know there are people that work in the seafood industry all of their lives and obviously have so much more knowledge than than we do so i'm feeling just an immense urge to read and listen and know as much as I, I can about that for obvious reasons. Ditto. Mm-hmm. Cool. Greatest lesson on friendship? Communicate. <laughs> I think like, <laughs> don't be afraid to be the bigger person. This is not applied to my friendship with Becca, by the way, because she's always the bigger person. But don't split the small stuff. Don't get petty and like, just think about the relationship as a whole when you're like getting caught up in a challenging moment. 
Mm. Yeah, that's really good advice. Greatest lesson on romantic relationships, dating, all of that. Um, I think it's sort of the same thing as what Caroline said, kind of just like, it's all about what the two of you want. And, you know, it's like, if you're fighting and you're like, why are we fighting? You just ask yourself, do we want to be together or do we not want to be together? I think that's like my most overarching romantic lesson. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think I have an answer to that one. I'm sorry. It's too hard. Me neither. (laughs) That's why I ask. What about spirituality? What happens when we die? You both mentioned Shabbat. Where are you spiritually? Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think I'm definitely a nature girl as a title that Caroline gave me like five years ago. And I'm definitely just one of those people that sort of like communes with the spirits by engaging intimately with nature. So like backpacking, camping, hiking, swimming, what have you, like that definitely feels like the source of whatever spirituality I have is just uh, realizing that your life is pretty much meaningless in the scope of, in the scope of things that I think that helps it generally (laughs) make, make issues seem very insignificant. Mm. I am just always trying to deepen my connection with Judaism and my practice and like observe Shabbat and have a nice dinner with loved ones on Shabbat and um, very culturally Jewish, but always trying to like deepen my religious connection to it. And yeah, it's a work in progress. Do you guys have any habits or routines that, that ground you or, you know, if you're feeling anxious or stressed or overwhelmed that stop you and bring you back? Definitely running for me is just really sort of like sheds. It just like, I get so much of my best thinking done while running. I know that's like in common exercise thought, body, mind connection experience, but I come up with like so many ideas and and all that good stuff while running. And also just again, like it's time when you are uniquely focused on sort of like unfocusing, you know, sort of entering that meditative state. Uh, that running running allows me to do that. For me, it's also Becca's running. <laughs> it's, <laughs> honestly, yeah. It's kind of like when I get my best thinking done and <laughs> deepens my connection with myself. <laughs> and your Judaism. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, well, you two are both a delight. Thank you so much for starting this company and coming on this podcast and and chatting with me. I I had a great time. And the last thing that we end with is letting out any recommendations. So you mentioned some beauty recommendations, but anything that you've been learning or a book, a piece of music, a piece of art, podcast, writer, TV show or movie, anything that has helped you or you've enjoyed or you've laughed at or has made you feel less alone in the last little bit? Everybody watched Chad on TBS. The first episode aired last week and I wrote for it. I think it's on the TBS app. Oh, amazing. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Recommend- um, oh man. I walk it on, on the LA river. It's like, that's my wreck. It's so beautiful. Go on a long walk. Wherever yeah, you go on a long walk on the freaking LA river. 
it'll make your day. Wherever your own LA river may be. Yes. (laughs) Well, this was great. Thank you so much, both of you. Actually, I have one more question. Has there been a piece of advice or like a a guiding piece of wisdom that, you know, maybe someone gave you in passing or you've, you figured out kind of like what you said, Caroline, in your advice for friendship that you've learned through experience that you can share that you would give someone else? Oh man. Get advice from your friends. Like Becca said, if you're starting a company, talk to all your friends that have done something similar. You want to work in whatever industry you want to work in, talk to as many people as you can, get as much advice as you can. There's no, you can't do too much of that. Yeah. And going along with that, same thing, just be humble. Like you'd be so humble because every founder we've talked to, as Caroline said, we've talked to so many. It's just like the time will come when things are not going well. Um, And, you know, we're always like, like you just have to be, always your most humble self and realize that you're going to fuck up really bad and do something wrong and just do your best and like be very, very honest and authentic about everything that you do. You don't, it'll bite you, bite you in the butt. Well said. I love that. Is there anything else that you wanted to share that you never get to talk about that you wish that I would have asked? Just, I love our conversation about bivalves and (laughs) I have to do it as a seafood company. Just expand, expand your understanding of seafood and try stuff you haven't tried before. That's all I would say. We're going to be putting out some freaky stuff in the future, freaky delicious, um, and are excited to help people figure out how to eat it, which would be great. So exciting. Yeah. Thanks for having us. That was so fun. Well, we end by letting out a deep breath. So are you guys down? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Inhale. Let it out. <sighs> Thank you both so much. Thank you, Katie. This was so much fun. So fun. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for listening. Follow Becca and Caroline and Fishwife and official Sean Penn and get into all of their projects. If you like this podcast, you will definitely like Caroline's podcast that she co-hosts with Esther. I love it. I find it to be such a cozy listen. I listen to it in the evenings and it just makes me feel less alone. And, you know, what I hope this podcast maybe is to, to some of you. So it's called Glowing Up. I think you'd really like it. She also has another podcast, which we'll link to called The Renner Files, which she mentions in this week's episode. And try Fishwife. If you love Tend Fish, great. Try this beautifully packaged product. And if you are new to Tend Fish, have we sold you yet? Because, you know, I, I might want to be their salesperson hype girl. I, I think I am. I, I really genuinely love this this product so much. And I I really just love them, honestly. So Thank you, Becca and Caroline, for being here. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, share it with a friend. That really helps so much and support the sponsors. And if you want to connect more with me, I'm at Katie Delbout on Instagram and follow Let It Out on Instagram. Let It Out with three T's. And to let us know you're listening all the way to the end, I'm going to think of an emoji in a moment. But first, I am doing a couple workshops, which I will link to 
and we have a new zine out called the creative combination so if you want to download that the link to do so it's completely free is in the show notes and if you want the show notes to come right to your email and you want to be part of our let it out letter newsletter the link to do that is also in the show notes i love you thank you for being here the emoji is obviously the fish any fish of your choosing and i think it would be really cool if you commented not only that emoji on caroline's instagram on my instagram on becca's instagram on let it out's instagram to let us know you listened all the way to the end after the ads after my outro but also let us know what your favorite tinned fish is, your, what your favorite kind of fish is in general, what you'd like to see Fishwife make next. We got that exclusive about the trout, which I'm so excited to try and really connects with the story that Becca told about Caroline and her stuffing the trout's belly in the midst of a pandemic. So again, happy you're here. I'll talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. Bye.